Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Tony Horvath, who is the creative director at Harlequin. So, Tony, welcome, and how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So I've been I've been at Harlequin um, in the art department for 17 years. Oh, wow. um, before I was in publishing, I worked for some like mid-sized design um, firms in Toronto. Um, at one point, I did uh, a lot of the musicals that came through town, like the um, the advertising. Uh, so a lot okay. of yeah, newspaper ads and, and and stuff like that. And then um, and then I sort of moved over into into publishing and started with Harlequin. Thought I'd stay a couple of years. Um, fell in love with it. Uh, great company, and uh, yeah, I just loved I loved the uh, the process and I loved the product, so I stayed. That's really great to hear because we hear that from the authors all the time too. Yeah. That working with Harlequin is great, so it's it's nice to hear that you know in in the other departments that they're still just as great to work with. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know it's it's not just me. I find that people um, at our company and in the romance sort of industry they sort of come into it. And it's more than they expected and, and are, you know, we just, we just love it. And so we just basically, we stay much longer than we ever thought we would. And we, it sort of becomes a career. Um, you know, like I, I think about some of the things that I used to do in advertising and, and product development and logos and, and we don't, we do it, but we do it more for publishing. So it, it's like, it's, it's almost like a completely separate career from where I, from what I used to have. And I prefer it. So this sounds like a total dream job. So take us back to 17 years ago. Was it like a newspaper ad? Like how did you, Tony 17 years ago find out about this job opportunity? Uh, it, you know, it's, it was crazy because I worked, I worked with, uh, with a couple of guys for about five or six years. Um, we were a small company and, um, and, like a lot of small companies, times get a little bit hard and, and that company sort of went under. Um, and so I found myself, uh, in Spain on a three week vacation with no job. Uh, and then I came back and, uh, and I went on Workopolis and I saw this, this, uh, ad and they're looking for an art director. And I was like, okay, this sounds good. So I applied. And then ended up in the process of, you know, talking to HR and, and, uh, before I knew it, I, I, uh, I started, I started at Harlequin. Um, and, uh, and it was a weird thing because it was like so different from what I used to do. I remember saying to my wife at the time, it's like, oh, so from what I hear, we brief books. Um, we try to understand what the book is about. Uh, they're broken off into genres and cat and categories. And then you come up with ideas for, uh, you know, what those books are about. And you basically have to try to sell that story with one image. And I remember saying, Oh, what if I have no ideas? And I was just so, <laughs> so crazy panicked. Um, but you know, you, you, you come in, you put a brave face on and, and, uh, and I met some absolutely amazing people at the company who basically just held my hand through the process. And, um, and before I knew it, I, I basically had briefed and and created my first month of books, um, and then as the years go by, you you become you know like anything, you become better and better at it. Um, 
and then uh, it becomes a little more easy and, and it's like a different sort of set of skills that you develop. Um, and there's almost, you know, you work with um, hair and makeup people, you work with wardrobe stylists, photographers, assistants, and you sort of develop a, an outside crew of people who all sort of understand the language and understand the strategy for, for all of the lines of books. And, and, and that those teams are so important to, to the development of, um, of those, uh, those book covers. So it's, it's like a learning process for everybody. Um, but everybody helps everybody out. And so you, you do learn a lot. Um, and you learn things that you wouldn't expect to learn. I, I know a lot about, uh, uh, women's clothing and, and hairstyle just by watching. Um, I know a lot about lighting. I wouldn't say that I could light an image, but I do know what to ask for to get what I want. So it, it's, it's a pretty open, um, free way of working. I think everybody just basically works together and, and there's just always a lot of conversation and everybody's sort of pushing in the same direction. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty, um, positive and almost like a utopia sort of state when it comes to developing those book covers because everybody knows what they want and everybody is sort of um in it together so it's a great it's a it's a great it's a great career so do you work on specific lines or do you work all across the spectrum of harlequin yeah so so harlequin basically broken into a couple of different um uh, teams. So there's the brand line, which is what I work on. Uh, and then there's trade. Um, and trade is more of like the, like the HQN and Mira. Yeah. Yeah. And they're more like one-off books, um, or, or part of a series, like an author will write three or four books for a series and, and they develop those books for that author, for that series with, with, uh, brand there is, um, there are a lot of authors and they write, for um, individual series that are broken off into genres. So for, for instance, um, there is like the passion category and there's suspense and then there's love inspired. And so there's usually an art director that, that, um, that works on a particular line, uh, but actually they, they would work on several. Um, so I oversee all of those lines and work with all of those art directors and designers. Um, but because, because I love the process so much, I, I really wanted to, to keep, um, a couple of those products. So I, I still work on intrigue, which is six books a month. And I also work on romantic suspense. So they're similar, they're similar, but they're very different. At first I thought maybe I shouldn't work on two cover on two lines that are so similar, but then actually I thought it, it makes more sense to do that because I'm kind of the gatekeeper of of both of those products. So I can make sure that they're, that they are different each month. Like I, you know, if I've got, um, if I have a, a hero alone on, on intrigue and he's a cowboy on a horse, but I also have on romantic suspense, a cowboy on a horse, I have to make sure that both of those covers are telling completely different stories yeah. and that they don't look anything alike because there will be seen on the book rack or online at the same time. So they have to, they have to look like they're telling two different stories because they are. Well, reading those two series, Mm -hmm. they do feel different. So for Mm -hmm. you on your end of it, I mean, you you touched a little bit on it 
with like, you know, wanting to make sure they're not the same, but is there anything behind the scenes as far as the covers and making sure that people know, like if you were to take intrigue off and romantic suspense off looking at that cover, I mean, I think romantic suspense, the, the color scheme is definitely noticeable, but are there any other differences that you all have in place to ensure people know, like if we took intrigue and romantic suspense off the cover, people would know this book still belongs to that series. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and we talk about that all the time because it is a it is a fine line. And when you're briefing both series, there are times where they do start to, the lines do blur a little bit. Um, so for instance, when we look at, when we look at intrigue, we always say that intrigue is like a lot more procedural. Um, and I mean that like, it's like a, like a crime show on television where, where there could be somebody that's a police officer or like on Yellowstone, there's a, there's a Western hero and there's usually, or always some sort of crime. And it could be a crime could be anything from uh, a bank heist to uh, high tech. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, when you're hacking, sorry, mm-hmm. or, or it could be uh, a stalker. Whereas, and so those two characters, like the, the, the love interest in the book that happens and it develops throughout the book. Um, and usually they're kind of working together to solve a crime and she could, you know, it could be anything. She could be uh, a police officer and he could be uh, uh, a lawyer and so she's the one who's kind of taking the procedural lead on it. Or it could be that she is a nurse uh, or a doctor and he is an FBI agent. So we can switch the roles around. But as long as there's somebody who is sort of taking the lead and then and then they're working together to, to figure out the suspense or crime part of that story. Uh, romantic suspense is different. Romantic suspense is actually, it's like they're not trying to figure out the crime um, together. It's almost like they've fallen into the crime, I think. Um, uh-huh. the, the suspense part sort of finds them as opposed to trying to figure it out. So they do figure it out, but they're figuring it out as the suspense is sort of happening around them. And usually when you look at the covers on romantic suspense, there's always like a connection between them, whether or not they're looking at each other or someone's, you know, holding on to oh, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So there you try to show more of the romance on those covers, whereas intrigue, you put you can put them both on the cover, but they have to look like they are both independent of each other. So so and and it's funny because there are times that we'll brief something and you know, it'll be like, oh, intrigue, we're briefing it. And they'll say, oh, um, this takes place and they're in a cabin and there's a stalker outside, but the two of them are, you know, sort of together in front of the fireplace. And it's like, oh, it sounds good, but that feels like it's sort of leaning more towards uh, romantic suspense. So could we have it that they've opened the door and it's like a view from the outside of the cabin, like they've heard a noise and they've opened the door and they're looking out into the darkness. Um, uh-huh. So you start to play around with some of those scenes. Um, and even even when we're on set and we're actually shooting those covers, there are times where, um, you know, my photographer who's worked with me for, for years, 
we'll look at it and kind of go, hey, hang on a second. Is this starting to feel a little like intrigue and not romantic suspense enough? It's like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's pull that back a little bit. (laughs) So we're always sort of working together and trying to catch those little things. And and we shoot a lot. So, I mean, it's not like we go in and say, this is the setup and let's shoot it. Like we have enough time to go, okay, let's shoot this, but then we'll push the romance more, then we'll pull it back and then we'll try a couple of different things. So, you know, we're, if we're, if we're in a really good space, we get to play around a little bit during that shoot. Um, and that usually helps us down the road because we have more options. Is there a totally different team for the love inspired suspense? Because their mm-hmm. covers tend to be more um, like, I don't know, like nature, environmental. Scenery. Barn yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Which is really yeah. creepy, but feels totally different from romantic suspense and intrigue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the art director that works on that, his name's Bill Lott, and he's been on that product for quite some time and we, we have um sort of gone through a lot of sort of development on on those where it's it, you try to get the the nugget out of what that story is about and and a lot of times we're trying to tell it without any people um and we do find that that works really really well but it's things like if there is if there's a kidnapping or a lost child or or something like that you have to try to tell that story um without people. So usually it's like, there's a human element. Um, You'll see a toy or like a, a teddy toy. bear. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we do, we do a lot of, a lot of that. Um, and we try to play around with that sort of motif. Um, but it's difficult because, you know, there, there's a lot of books. There's, there's six books a month, 12 months a year. Um, so we're always trying to look for new for new ways of telling those stories. Um, and, you know, if it's, if it takes place in Wyoming or something like that, there's a lot of like big nature settings. So yeah. it seems that those, I don't know, they, they seem to sort of talk more about inspiration somehow when you see like this, this big um, open sky or, or mountains with some sun coming through. There's always like, it's hard to, it's hard to tell a story and say inspirational and suspense that I think it's actually one of the most difficult lines to work on. Um, and so we really do put a ton of effort into the briefing of those books, but, uh, it's an interesting line and there, you know, there's a lot of different, um, approaches to those covers and we try to make sure that, um, we have, you know, there are six different stories in that month. We try to make sure that there are six different uh, images that tell those stories. A lot of times in those books, there there's a lot of canine stories, which mm-hmm. do really, really well for us. Um, and so we're always trying to make sure that we have the right dog for the cover. Um, a lot of the, well, most of it is stock, uh, which is great. We, you know, we at Harlequin love stock because it, it allows us to produce covers that frankly would just be crazy to shoot. Um, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, those so, like the yeah. the cold case uh, covers that you all have going on are creepy. <laughs> they yeah, are they, so good. <laughs> they are creepy. They are creepy. Sometimes they're a little too creepy. We have to yeah. <laughs> creep the creep back a bit. Yeah. So yeah. So we hear a lot from authors about the uh, the cover questionnaire or form. So at 
Can you talk us through the process of you at the art department, get one of those forms, then what, what's the process from thereafter to having that final image? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, uh, we call it internally an art fact sheet because it's the sheet that keeps all the facts of the art <laughs> uh, and the stories. So um, yeah, the author fills that out. Uh, sometimes the editor kind of helps flush it out a little too. Um, and then usually what happens is the whole process starts with um, you book the briefing and that's with uh, art, marketing, and editorial. And so the, the three teams work together to develop those books for that month, for that line. Um, and so typically what happens is uh, if it's like intrigue or presents or whatever, we have a briefing. Usually it takes about an hour, um, maybe a little longer on presents because there are eight of those a month. But we we sit down as a group. The, the art fact sheet contains all the information. So you know where the story takes place. Uh, who wrote who wrote the story, the title, um, the characters, who they are, what they look like. Um, it's at this point where the authors, one of the best things that they can do to help us is go online, find who you think your character looks like the most, and then you grab that picture, put it in the art fact sheet, or send it through separately. Um, so age... Um, Full descriptions are are included there, and then there's also uh, three key scenes that the author finds are very important. Um, and some of those scenes are important when you're reading it, but you can't actually um, show it on a cover because it it's it's almost like there are some scenes that you need to see it play out uh -huh. before it makes any sense. Like I remember there was a love inspired suspense cover and. I think it was a woman that was being stalked by her husband. And so she was working with um, a marshal and he was teaching her how to shoot. And so the initial idea was, oh, so there's like bottles on a fence in like Texas or something. Uh huh. And he's taught her how to shoot. So we're, we're not going to put people on. We're just going to show the bottles broken on the fence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, this is a great idea. And then... Bill, the art director, and I sat down and started looking at how to pull those covers together. And we realized pretty quickly that it doesn't, visually, it doesn't make sense to do that. What you actually need is you need to see the two of them, him with her, showing her how to shoot. Then she shoots. Then the, the bullet goes through the, the bottle and it's broken. When it's just broken bottles on a fence, it, it doesn't tell a big enough story. Right. So we were like, okay, that doesn't work. We thought it would. So sometimes you have to go down the road a little bit to try to pull it back um, and figure out what is actually the better way of, of visually displaying what that book is about. So anyway, so we sit down, we brief, we have all of the information uh, about what that story is about, those key scenes. Uh, editorial are fantastic at walking us through and describing um the synopsis of that story. Um, and then it's discussed marketing. Uh, there's marketing is kind of the keeper of what works and what is tending not to work because what works, okay. what works today, uh, might not work a year from now. Maybe mm -hmm. that gets tired. Um, so they're all, they're, they're always sort of saying, Oh, you know, uh, if there's a dog in this story, uh, maybe we could put that on the cover. And it's like, well, then it comes down to editorial saying, well, the dog's in the story, but it's not a key part. So then you, we're always trying to figure out what should go on that cover. So it's 
what's going to tell the story, what's going, what's currently sort of selling, uh, and then the art department saying what we think we can or can't execute. Um, so it starts, that's kind of how it starts. Then the art director goes away and we, as quickly as we can, pull together the month of concepts. So that's using like old shoots or stuff that we find online, um, like images and, uh, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's movie posters or, or still shots from, from TV shows or whatever. And, and we're cobbling together, uh, an idea of what we're going to try to execute for that cover. Oh, that is um, so cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the next step is we, once that's approved, we send it to our photographer. The photographer then starts to send the casting out to all of the um, model agencies here in Toronto. And we have about six or seven. And, and then each agency has 20, 30 people to choose from. Um, so then we try to, then we cast. And uh, that's always a process because not everybody's available on the day and time that you need them. Oh, so, right. so we've got usually a week of back and forth thing where it's like, I want this girl for this cover and this guy for this cover. And it's, then they'll say yes. And, and then, you know, during COVID it got crazy. So it's like, I'm not feeling oh, yeah. well uh, yeah. the morning of, so we're scrambling to find somebody else to come in and replace them. So it's always like, it's a process, but we're, you know, you do it enough times, you don't tend to freak out when it's nine o'clock and your talent should have been there at eight. Um, and so this is talent of, that, Tony, that you're also trying to, because you have the sheet from the, the author, right? And they've kind correct. of given you the details. So you're also trying to somewhat match the model with yeah. the information you've been given? Okay. Yeah. And we, you know, that's, um, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's a challenge. You know, it's when somebody asks for, I always go to Brad Pitt because I just always go to Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> but when somebody asks for Brad Pitt, there's only one Brad Pitt. Uh, there's only one Jason Momoa. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> and then you start to look through your talent roster and I'm like, okay, so what does Brad Pitt really look like? Well, okay. He's a good looking guy. Probably got better as he got older. He's blonde. Uh, so you start to look at all of your cast, all of your talent that are available and you pick who you think is probably closest. Um, and then I pick a backup too, just in case they can't show up. Um, so sometimes when the author is so specific, it really helps because you know who you're looking for. On the other hand, when the author is so specific, they really, really want that look. And sometimes we don't have that. There isn't anybody like I I've gotten a lot lately in the last year, he looks like Jason Momoa and and I'm like, wow, I don't have. I don't have a Jason Momoa. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, do, I don't. I, not not on speed dial. Uh, not in my Rolodex. <laughs> so so yeah, uh, it, it's it's difficult because you know then you start to you're googling Jason Momoa. Uh, okay, so uh, Hawaiian, Polynesian, blah blah blah, and you start to kind of break down. Okay, so so who are we looking for now? But then you know you, you could find somebody who's from Hawaii, but he's not going to look anything like that guy. So. So you try to do the best you can with who you have available and who you have available on that day. And that's, you know, that as diversity becomes um, more and more relevant, um, the, you know, if you were to look back at the model agencies 17 years ago, 
when I started. Yeah. Um, Probably wasn't there. Yeah, it was like just a sea of white people. Um, that's kind of what it was like. And so yeah. when we would get an author who is like, okay, so uh, he looks like Denzel Washington. It's like, now I'm scrambling, trying to find somebody. Um, and it's funny. It's like, you know, you look at, you look at how things move through like time and, and sometimes it feels like it's happening really, really slowly, but I look at it now and, and I think, you know, 10 years ago, did it look different than 17 years ago? Yeah, uh, it did, but it hasn't come that far. But today, as, as we get more, um, uh, diversity at, you know, in our, in our books, we ask for, for more people, people of different ages, different sizes, different color. Mm -hmm. Um, and That's so definitely a beautiful thing. We are seeing more. Oh, absolutely. You know, thicker um, girls on the cover. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, that's so nice yeah, to see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, we now have, have books that sort of talk to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so it's changed a lot. And as, as it's changed, we have gone to the talent agencies and, and it's like, this is what we're doing. This is who we're looking for. And so as we're asking, they're going, oh yeah, they're going to need some diversity here. And so uh -huh. then, then they go out, they find people. So when I look today, it's, it's very, very promising because the, the talent pool has just gotten so much deeper. Um, and so it's not so difficult for us to go and, and find people that look like what the author is hoping for. You know, that being said, it's, it's not, it's not always easy because there are times where, again, people, I don't feel well, I might have COVID or, or I got another job that's paying like 10 grand. It's like, I get it. I understand that. So they'll, they won't be able to show up. So then we're scrambling, trying to find somebody to come in. Um, but it's, it's good. I mean, I, I look at it now and I think it's, it's so, you know, it's, it's so different than where we were. When are you and your team working on like one book at a time and how long does it take for each book? Cause you, like you said, like intrigue six books a month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's only one line that you're working on. So like, yeah. what's kind of the turnaround to say, Oh, yep. April is done. We're moving on to May. Yeah. It, it, so for instance, like anybody on my team is probably core series is that's kind of what we call our, our, our series books that, that are in the stores on the racks. Um, I would say that everybody's working on probably like 14 to 16 books a month just for those. Then there's other ones too, but you're not just working on, you know, like for me, if I'm working on 10 books a month, but I'm not, I'm actually working on 30 books a month because, Gosh, because hurts. all of, yeah, yeah, all of, and, and I got it easy because my team's working on more. Um, but you're, you're working on 30 because you're working on three months at a time because they're all at different stages. So I always say, okay, it's like, a, right. it's like a conveyor belt of books. So there are some books that we're briefing. So as we're briefing them, I, th I always think briefing and concepting is stage one. Um, so as I'm doing those the month before I'm, I'm, I'm casting and shooting and that's stage two. And then the month before that, uh, I'm working with the retouchers to pull all the finishings together on the book. And then they're going into what we call the grids, which is basically if you take the book cover, rip off the front cover, the back cover and the spine, it's everything that's on front 
back and spine, uh, the type, the position of the image. Uh, so all of that is happening in stage three. So yeah, so in one month, you're working on kind of 30 books. Oh my goodness. Well, you mentioned presents earlier. Do you, yeah. you work on presents? I, 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 I work with the art director, Tara, who works uh, on presents. With those? Yeah. I, we feel like presents has been just killing it this year. I feel like they know, y'all know that we need mental escapes. So we've yeah. been seeing tons of pretty locations in the background, yeah. but the couple's still at the center. Is there anything that you can share about that? Was that very, was like that a deliberate kind of decision? I mean, I'm thinking the new one that we have coming up, right, Erin, the Lila Mae Wright, hers has a beautiful yeah. like desert scene in the background. Yeah. Um, Maya Blake's like there's just been so many so can you talk a little bit about that yeah um well so like like intrigue and romantic suspense we have presents and desire and both of them tell a kind of tell a similar story they're both in the passion category uh they're they both have oodles of wealth but we have to sort of make sure that we can separate those two those two stories so that they the images don't look too similar I mean, right. that being said, presents has that classic presents look where there's, it's like the white cover. There used to be a little round circle. Now we've exploded that circle out. So basically it, it looks like an arch, but it's still a circle that's just uh -huh. blowing off the cover. So the difference between presents and desire is presents is passion. Presents is like billionaires. There are uh, global locations. So we always say that there's always a couple or a man alone on the cover, but the location is the third character. So if it takes place in Greece, you want to make sure that people look at that cover and they, it'll be like the Greek uh, billionaire's wife or whatever yeah. the uh -huh. title. But um, you want to make sure that they, that when they when we say Greek, if it takes place in Greece, you're also reinforcing that with a beautiful, identifiable location that the oh, couple are, okay. are in. Yeah. Yeah. Desire, it's, we always thought the desire felt more like a little more like passion and scandal and, and legacies and, and families. Um, I think of like young and the restless. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, we're, we're currently developing desire, but if we, you know, roll the clock back about a year, what we were doing there was we, we tried to make them look like soap operas. So most of those shots were interior because soap operas are shot on sound stages with like really nice lighting uh -huh. very warm lighting so it, we we kind of looked at desire like it was beautiful people in beautiful clothing in beautiful rooms um like soap operas we started to move outside a little bit on that too um we also have smaller people bigger landscapes um but we look at desire and presents and we can definitely see that they're similar, but I mean, there's still a huge wealth uh, aspect to desire. But when you think of it like a show like Yellowstone, um, the wealth is is there, but it's like it's almost like a a legacy family American yeah. wealth, and those stories take yeah. place mostly in America. Um, so there is a there is a big difference, but there are also a lot of similarities. But when I look at presents, it's like those images are there. It's just real eye candy. Um, the clothing, the wardrobe, it it just tells like a very classic 
type of of passion story. When we, we got the latest Amanda Cinelli presents, and it's just the hero on the cover, but it's the Japanese in the fall background. Mm-hmm. I was like, I did not yeah. know that I needed this, but I needed this. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, Tara, Tara loves that product. Um, she loves those books. Uh, and I think that, you know, her and her team, they look at all of the opportunities that they can to to make those covers look as like just beautiful and rich and sumptuous as as, as they can be. Yeah, we, we love them. Can, can we talk wardrobe for a sec? Yeah. So, so um, I'm thinking of Laquette's latest book, One Night Expectations, um, Callie Anthony's snowbound in his billion dollar bed. And then again, uh, Leela Bay White's um, most recent one, um, his desert ride by demand, I believe. Yeah. The, the dresses in those just are almost the centerpiece of, yeah. of yeah. the, um, of the cover. So do you have like fashion designers that are just like knocking down your door? Just like, I have this great dress, put or it on a model. Or can I even add Aaron, yeah. Karen boots that came out in February, the heroine's uh-huh. literally like in a swimsuit and it's gorgeous. <laughs> Her for her desire her novel. So yes, thank you for oh, bringing yeah. up the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, we don't. We don't have designers that are banging our doors down, which I I think that's crazy. I think that's kind of a missed opportunity. They should um, be. Uh-huh. They, yeah, they yeah, should they, be. They, they, I think they should too. That's a very good idea. Um, Aaron, no. you had a good idea. <laughs> I'm sending my resume. Yeah, do it. <laughs> We we have uh, we have one key wardrobe stylist that we work with, and she sort of works with all of us. There are times that we'll we'll grab somebody else too, but for the most part, um, it's like I was saying earlier. We we tend to build teams because there's like a bit of a learning process to this stuff too. Um, and again, we we need people who can work within our budget. Um, we have a look when it comes to publishing. I think we have one of the healthiest budgets out there. Um, but it's not crazy. And especially if you're looking at something like, you know, dresses, it's like, Oh, uh-huh. how, how much is this dress? It's like, uh, that's $4,500. It's like, we don't have that kind of money and, and you can't even rent that. Oh, so, yeah. so we get, we get our wardrobe, uh, stylist, uh, Laura to just basically source out everything that she can find. One of the things that we're lucky about being here in Toronto is our film industry is pretty healthy. Oh um, yeah, yeah. We shoot a lot here, um, and so she she has those wardrobe houses that are available to us. So you know, when movies have really big budgets, they they though that money goes to creating and buying and purchasing those dresses or whatever the wardrobe is. Um, and then when that movie is done or that TV show is done, they don't really have any use for it. So it goes mm-hmm. to the wardrobe house um, and then we use it. And so uh, we rent it and uh, and there's a lot more than than a lot of other cities would have just because of the amount that uh, the shooting and the film industry here in Toronto. So can I ask some like a nerdy kind of mm. history question. So one thing that you brought up was like the presents cover, how it's no yeah. longer the circle in the middle. Or even if yeah. you think of desire, like desire now's kind of gold, like there's like a gold theme kind of to it. When changes like that happen, where does that where do where does the inspiration come from to make the change? 
Um, is that something that you are like, you know, is somebody coming to you like, hey, Tony, this is, it's time to make a change. What do you think about it? Can like, can you talk a little bit about those changes? Like, you know, as these series progress, is it just time in general? Yeah. yeah there, I mean, the changes happen in sort of different forms. Sometimes the changes just happen sort of organically and you start to like the team themselves just work through sort of visual language and what's current. And, you know, we're always looking at when I say we, I mean the art department, but sometimes it spreads out past the art department too, where um, editors are looking at images and they're like, Oh, I like the look of this. And so we'll go, okay, we can, we can do something like that. And then we do it. And if it sells well, then we go, Oh, we need to do that sort of look again. So there's the organic sort of things that happen. Then there's also, um, there are times where it's a bigger question where we call, you know, it's like leadership. Um, it's, it's our, the people who are running our company will look at, you know, refreshes and where are we and does it still look contemporary and that's when the bigger projects start and so it starts from sort of top down where we where you'd say how do we feel about branding or how do we feel about the look of um of this line of books right now do we think that it's starting to feel a little dated or stale like maybe we need a gut check on this so then we just basically dig in and we start exploring what the possibilities are to evolve uh, the packaging or the look of those books. Um, you know, I, I think back to where Special Edition was when I started at the company. Special Edition looked like paintings. All of them looked like paintings. They weren't, it was more like fantastical um, people and locations than it was grounded in reality. Now, was someone and, actually painting those, Tony, or was it? Yeah, and stock? back in the day. Okay, okay. Yeah, back in, so so the way that worked was, you're, and we have, we have at our company old paintings from from the 70s. Oh, that's where so cool. Artists were, were literally <laughs> painting, and they are, uh, they're charming and beautiful, uh, and I kind of miss them, but, you know, they're a point in time, right? And so yeah. what happened was, you know, the, the illustrators and, and painters, they had to sort of evolve too. And so when computers came around, then there's like Photoshop. And, and what they did was they, they had photographic reference that then they turned into digital paintings. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, it evolved to, do we actually need to make them look like paintings or can we make them look like photographs? And so that's kind of how it evolved. Uh, and you can actually look back in, you know, over the years and kind of go, oh yeah, special edition or back in probably 2000 still looked kind of like a painting. Yeah. I know uh, Sarah, our, our other co-host, she loves that era for love inspired where they were painting. Like that's yeah. still her favorite era of that yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I've had from time to time, I've had, uh, photographers, not photographers, uh, sorry, illustrators and painters who have called me and said, Hey, I, uh, you know, I used to work on, uh, movie posters in the seventies. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So I Google them and it's like, oh my God, I know who this person is. I I've seen <laughs> yeah. like every great movie poster in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, it's like, do you have any use for me? And I'm like, I wish I did. Cause yeah. you're amazing. <laughs> 
but but we just we just don't we don't do that it's not it's just not our thing anymore you know that being said we do we do illustration um and we hire illustrators uh to do some of our covers for like you know karina karina outdoors um and they're they're fun they're completely different they're not photographic they're straight up illustration um and uh yeah they're beautiful but you know they come with their own sort of set of how do you do this and how do you how do we make it you know contemporary and how do we tell that story and um yeah they come with their own sort of set of i don't know image problems or or design issues so everything has an issue and everything has a problem that basically the art department tries to solve um but that's kind of the, that's the fun part of it so i have a a kind of a i guess a two-parter question sure the okay the cover for me i am one of those readers that like i physically well, I, I, I place an order every month at the beginning of the month, and then mm-hmm. I go into the Walmart to see what's on, you know, the series that we can't buy in the stores here. I'll order online, and then I go into the store and get the others. The cover is a big sale for me, yeah. right? Like, they're, you know, my favorite line, for example, is romance. Sometimes, you know, like, all four of them grab my attention. I'm not even necessarily paying attention to the title. And I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, it's this author. You know, it's just like, I love this line. Let me check and see what they have. You mentioned earlier, like sometimes they'll, it, they, it may be, hey, this didn't sell very well. How much for you as the art department, does that feel like that's on your shoulders or does it at all? Because I would feel like it's, people are still going to read the book. You know, either the book is good or it's not. But knowing with category, the cover and all of that information is such an attention grabber and such a selling point for some people. Does that, I, I just feel like that puts a lot of pressure on you, but does it feel like that for you? Um, yeah. The short answer is yeah, 100% it does. Um, and I think it's because, you know, it's like you're saying when, when you go to the rack, the, before you even pick the book up, you're, you're looking at the covers. So you've got, I don't know, two, three seconds to try to grab somebody's attention. And it's hard to grab somebody's attention when there's, you know, 60 odd books on the on the rack, right? And and especially when some of those books aren't even ours. So we're we're competing with ourselves. Uh, we're competing with other publishers. So um yeah, I think I think that the art department, I I, I think if you asked anybody in the art department, um, you know, the the covers that we produce, we produce those covers for those books, for those authors. It's the author's cover. And so we take that very, very seriously um, because you know we wanna, we wanna do our best for those authors and we wanna do our best for those authors because we want those books to sell. Um, so when they don't, we, you know, why doesn't it sell? There might be like 10 different reasons, but when it comes to the art department, we do look at it and take it like, what did I do on that cover? Um, so yeah, we take it very, very personally because we are so personally involved in the creation of those covers. Yeah. Um, wow. So whether or not we should or shouldn't. Hearing you do. say like the seconds, like when you think about it, you don't see the back of the book. The store puts it, the cover out. So you have those seconds to yeah. get somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, once you pick up that book, then, you know, you're also, you're looking at the image, you're reading the title, the title's got to, you know, the title, I think, is as important as the as the cover mm-hmm. image. Mm-hmm. Um, so the title has to work with the image. And then when you when they when the reader finally picks that book up and they start reading the back 
cover uh, copy, it the package itself is all of it. It's the title. It's the it's the image. It's the back cover copy. It's like if there's a mini series, um, it's it's a complete it's a complete story on that on that book cover. It, it, you have to you have to hit all of those marks, and it has to be so kind of relevant to each each other each sort of part of that book. Like if you're saying if you've got a dog in the cover, you should be somehow talking to in the title to what that cover is about. So it should say canine something. Like if you've got a book with a dog on the cover and you're not saying anything like about the dog, you're just saying Christmas, whatever, Christmas homicide, or you'd look at that cover and go, I don't even understand why that book cover is the way is what it is because it doesn't work with the overall packaging. And that those are the things where, you know, we're always gut checking every month when we're looking and when we're review, where we are reviewing what those covers are, it's like, does the overall packaging uh, work cohesively together? And if it doesn't, we have to quickly go back and change it. And once in a while, something slips through the cracks. And it's at those moments that, look, if the book sells, we're happy. But if it doesn't, that's when you're sort of analyzing what happened here. What could we have done better? And what can we learn from that? Um, so we're always kind of learning and always trying to figure out why something worked and why it didn't. And and why something worked is as important as why it didn't. And maybe even more. Um, why it didn't, you know you know why it didn't. Um, if, if you can figure that part out, it's that's easy. But trying to replicate success, I think, is maybe harder. Well, I think about here in the States, when schools like are, are losing funding, the arts tend to be one of the quickest things to go. And I think this listening to you speak has been so inspirational because it's like, wow, this is why we need to really celebrate and embrace those students who do enjoy creativity and being artistic. So in your line of work as someone who does art every day, and you, you kind of talked about you developed different skills as time has progressed. Yeah. When you think about when you began to where you are now, you know, what are some of those, like, you know, those takeaways or, you know, those things that you've learned the longer that you've done this every day for the last, you know, 17 years, specifically with Harlequin, but we know you did it before then. Um, What have, what have been some of the the lessons you've learned? Um, Well, when I think about just the roots of, of what we do at Harlequin, you know, it's like, there was a time where, um, if we were working on a cover and something needed altering on a cover, we would package it up, send it off to a photo retoucher and, and then they would do the work and then it would come back. And so you're looking at that going, Oh, wow, that's going to take three or four days. So what ended up happening is we as art directors started developing our skills as kind of photo retouchers. So instead of sending a lot of that stuff out, we now just, kind of roll up our sleeves and do it ourselves because it's just fast. It's faster. And so you do it enough times and eventually you sort of sit back and go, I think I might be a a retoucher. (laughs) Um, I'm retouching and it's not bad. (laughs) Yeah. Next thing I'm going to start writing a couple of books, Uh, but (laughs) yeah, but yeah. So you, your, your skill set starts to broaden um, because you just need things to happen maybe a little bit quicker and, and, I don't know. It's like, it's fun, right? It's, it's one of those things that, you know, to, to, 
to get into an image and start um, moving people around to accommodate some of the type. Um, if it's all in Photoshop, you can work in layers. So you can have, you can work in layers. So you'll have the people on one layer, a dog on another layer, mountains in another layer. And then you're looking at your final cover and you're finding that the type's clashing or getting in the way of something else. So you go back into that Photoshop file and move some things around. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's that sort of skill set that I think we're always learning and always developing. And we sort of just through osmosis and time and doing over and over again, we just become better at something that we never used to do. So you kind of just develop into something broader, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Denise Wheatley, I just got my copy of her latest intrigue, The Heart Shaped Murders. And I just want to say, you guys knocked it out of the park with that one. Yeah, it just <laughs> it just screams like action movie to me. And it's it's great. I just love looking at it. Oh, thanks. I, I love that cover. I, I really, really do. And I remember looking at that there was a shattered piece of glass and I remember sitting there with my photographer and we're talking and he's like, do you want me to actually get a piece of glass and break it <laughs> in the shape of a heart? And I'm like, yeah, but no, I, we just did it through Photoshop, but it was like, yeah. <laughs> the look on his face was like utter horror. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Have you but had that, that moment? Like when you've been out and about at a store and seen a book you've worked on, like, what have you had one of those moments where you're like, I worked on that. Like I made this happen. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it, it's funny. I have, and, and I always enjoy it, but I enjoy it more when I'm in a, a couple of years ago, I was in Austria and I saw one of our books that I had worked on with a model that obviously I, I know well. And, uh, it was at a gas station in Austria. And I'm just like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so yeah. it's it's moments like that that you kind of go, huh, look at that. <laughs> I, I'm here grabbing a coffee and, in Austria. In Austria. And, <laughs> and there's my there's my work. So it's, yeah, it, it's cool when sometimes things just sort of pop up. Um, and, and then there's other times where like people will, that you've worked on a cover with, it'll pop up in their Facebook or something and, and they'll send it over. And it's like, dude, remember when we worked on this? And it's like, oh my God, that was like 10 years ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's always kind of, it's always cool. And, you know, once in a while I get to, I get to sit down and, and chat with authors. I've had authors come out to some of our shoots, which it was amazing. And, and my photographer still talks about it because he just thought it was so much fun. That's you know, so they, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's great. I had three authors come out and, um, and they saw the process, they saw how it all sort of came together and um, they loved it, but we, we really loved having them. Um, they were, they were great. Okay. This is a really random question that I have to ask before we get off. Like, cause I feel like sure. Sarah's going to want to know if it's like, I'm thinking of like the next, we have a Joanne rock coming out. If there's a cowboy on the cover and he's on yeah. the horse, like on a desire, yeah. how is that photo being taken <laughs> in like Toronto? So there was a point in time where we could, you know, like everything is that we had budgets were a little bit bigger. And, and so we, we were able to go and do these things where we would go in and, and shoot. So there's horse farms, you know, actually closer to where I live. So we would go and shoot at a horse farm and then you'd strip in mountains in the back. And now that becomes Wyoming or Montana. But, okay. but the other thing is, it's like, we're always trying to, you know, battle weather and, and mm -hmm. all of these sort of things. So typically what we do now, 
um, is we find stock shots of horses or cowboys on horses. And then we, that we know at that point that that is the angle and, and the sizing and, the, and what the rider is going to look like on that horse. We digitally erase the rider and then we put our people on top. So they're matching character descriptions. And, and most of the times it's, you're really just taking the horse out of the stock shot and then putting it into another location with another cowboy. Sometimes there's a girl on the back or, but yeah, it, it's like you, you try to find clever ways of doing it, but at one, you know, you would think that the easy way is to go out to a horse farm and, and shoot people on horses, but sometimes it's, it's actually not. Sometimes yeah. it's really, really difficult. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. When we have those covers where it is just one person, mm-hmm. is that a recommendation to you all from the author or you know, you getting that information, like, I think this would work better with just a solo person. Yeah. It's a bit of, it's a bit of both. Um, you know, the author might say that this is like a, he's a marshal or, or he's an FBI agent or she's an FBI agent. And I just think that this would be a really strong cover. And then you look at the title and it's like, yeah, it, that just works. It's like, um, we would just put a person on the cover. Um, because the other part of it is you're looking at you're looking at six intrigues or or actually six intrigues and and four romantic suspense and so you're going that's I have to orchestrate that month of books and make sure that there's enough variety on them so somewhere in, in those in those two lines of books you might want a man alone a woman alone um, and then maybe a big like head of like a portrait shot of somebody um, so yes it does. It it, it it often does come down from the author. But then the other thing is sometimes we just know that that's what works for that author. Like when I think of BJ Daniels, we have put in the past couples on BJ Daniels books, but really what we're finding is that she sells better with just strong hero or heroine dread uh, led covers. So we tend to, to give the public what they want. And they they pretty much tell us what they want by the sales. That is really cool. You have to keep yeah, a lot cool. in mind, Tony, to do your job. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think I think we do. I think we do. I, I do think, but but you know, I think that you know, it's not just us. It's like the editorial team and the marketing team and the art director. They all work together to sort of remind each other, and that's really the the beauty of marketing. They there are the keepers of that knowledge for us. So, yeah. This has been a great uh, listen to just hear you talk about the process and everything. Yes. Well, thank you very much. I hope I wasn't rambling too much. No, um, you did exactly what here, we so. want. Okay, yes. great. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Is there anything, like, are you, you working on anything right now that you're excited about that you can maybe tell our listeners about? I'm always working on, I'm always working on something. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing here. Um, you know, am I, ex- there's, there's nothing that I'm more or less excited about. It's, it's always, it's always new. It's always fresh. There's, there's always a new brief that, you know, creates visual challenges that, that, you know, we, we always say that art directors are basically visual problem solvers. And so when somebody says, I need this or that, it's kind of cool when you go, I have no idea how we're going to do this. Um, but then you sort of figure, you know, you sort of figure it out. Um, 
So there's a, there's a shot that I'm doing tomorrow that I'm kind of pumped about. It's a woman alone cover on an intrigue and she's at the base of, um, of a iced over waterfall. Um, so she's got all the climbing gear on and everything. And it's like, I got a great looking background for it. So yeah, I'm kind of pumped about doing that one. I I will say, um, that sounds so, really cool. I'm, I'm excited to see the final result. I know. Yeah, when we tomorrow. see it, we're going to be like, Tony told us about this. <laughs> this, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's cool. Well, this has truly been an honor. Thank you so much. Please. We will find a reason to have you come back. Please come back. Um, oh, I would love great, to. So. I would love to. You guys are awesome. <laughs> All righty, listeners. Well, thank you so much for listening. Have a good day. And we will talk to you in our next episode. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.